Amen. What a tremendous presence of God that has filled this place tonight. And if you haven't yet connected, there's still opportunity tonight to get what you need from the Lord. Amen. You know, the mistake that some people make is they equate Huckabuck Throwdown Church as having a move of God. But what we just experienced was a deep move of the Spirit of the Lord. And that's just as much of a move of God as if we left with our hair messed up and sweaty. Y'all going to make me preach. What we just experienced in worship, worship is so much deeper than an emotional high. It's so much deeper than a goosebump in your favorite song. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 27, The full soul loatheth and honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. When you get done eating lunch or supper and, and you've had a tremendous meal and and you have filled your belly till you can't even think about putting anything else. They could come. I like chicken parmesan. It's probably my favorite meal. They could come and put that right in front of your favorite meal. And it doesn't do anything for you. You can't even stand the sight of it. The full soul loatheth on honeycomb. That which is good, that which is sweet. But to the hungry soul, you see, hungry people don't have to have their favorite meal. They don't have to have their favorite song. It don't have to be the best sermon because they're hungry. That's why the Bible, Jesus said, blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall Let me tell you why a hungry person is going to be filled. This is going to be a little elementary, but it's the truth. Hungry people don't wait for someone to bring it to them. A hungry person isn't going to sit down and wait for somebody to bring their meal. Somebody that's really hungry is going to do whatever it takes to get what they need. And that's the correlation that God is trying to convey to us. If we have had the best preaching, we have had the best singing, and God help us lest, lest that become so full that we can't fit anything else. But what God is wanting is people that say, you know what, I had a great touch this morning, but I come hungry for a move of God tonight. I want something to connect with me. It was this afternoon that the Lord spoke to my heart. I thought I had a direction, and uh, I, I tried to take a nap, and the Lord began to speak to me. And you know my theory on naps. If you want to be used in dreams, you better look, go to take a nap every now and then. If you want God to, I'd rather be used in a dream than a vision, because dreams, you get to sleep. Amen. So I try to give God opportunity. To play it out in my spirit. So I was trying to take a nap this afternoon. And the Lord began to speak to me. And I want to turn our attention to the book of Second Samuel chapter number 6. And it is oftentimes when a preacher preaches from this text. They can be mistaken as being aggressive. But I don't want you tonight to mistake my passion for aggression. Because I will preach passionate. 
But I love the church and I love the people of God. And I, I want everybody to get something. I used to tell myself and when, when I had a service where it you know, probably wasn't the best service. And I used to say, well, you can never get 100%. And I used to appease my conscience like that. You can never get 100%. But you know, the more I got to thinking about it, the more God began to deal with me. It is possible. It is possible to get 100%. But it's not necessarily going to happen all the same way. So tonight I am reaching for 100%. But I am recognizing the fact that it might not all happen the same way. But I believe it's possible for us all to connect with what God wants to do tonight. Verse number 12. And it was told King David saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went, brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. The ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. Verse number 20, Then David returned to bless the house, his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servant, as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. David said unto Michael, It was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be more vile than thus. And I will be base in mine own sight, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. I want to focus our attention tonight on verse number 16. And as the ark of the Lord came in the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. She looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. I want to preach for a little while. Why watch when you can worship? Why watch when you can worship? If you want the Lord to speak to you, would you lift your hands right now and begin to prepare your heart? Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person in this building. Lord, everybody here, I know they wouldn't be here if they didn't desire to hear from you. I'm asking, Lord, the Word of God to have free course and liberty. Let it operate, Lord, but let it, let it not just operate freely, but let there be a response in our heart towards you. We thank you for what you're going to do, and everybody claps their hands unto the Lord tonight. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated tonight. Why watch when you can worship? We address tonight a figure who perhaps other than Jesus has been preached about 
more than anyone. David, of course, you know, has been a focal point of, of many people who grew up in denominational churches. And, and when we were just young children, we began to hear the stories of David. We know that David was the youngest son of Jesse. And David was chosen to be anointed the king. David spent much of his upbringing in obscurity. He spent much of his life in his younger days tending to the sheep. And, and I believe my personal opinion that it was in those times, it was in those places that David developed a connection with the Lord. That David began to seek after him in his own heart. And, and I believe that that David grew a relationship with God. It was this relationship and this empowerment that caused David to kill a lion and to kill a bear because he was familiar with his God and thus preparing him for the day when David would face a Goliath. I know today that David's life has was filled with high points and David's life was also filled with, with low points. We see the struggle. We see the humanity. We see the flesh of David exposed because David was human. It was David that ordered the death of Bathsheba's husband. It was David that committed adultery. It was David that uh, lost his child due to being exposed by the prophet Nathan. And we can hear the agony in David's heart as he pleads for mercy uh, from God for his child. Yet we don't highlight in David's life all of the low points. When we talk about David, we know him most often as a man after God's own heart. Beyond the struggles that David faced, there was something deeper in David that attracted God's attention. It was beyond goosebumps. It was beyond an emotional high. There was something embedded in the soul of David that attracted God's attention. David, in my opinion, had the heartbeat of God. He knew what God liked, and thus David responded accordingly. How do you find out what someone likes? You spend time developing that relationship with that person. You wonderful people who have been married for any length of time, when you first started courting or dating or whatever you did, you didn't know what to order for your spouse. You didn't know their favorite color. You didn't know what music they liked or what clothes they liked or disliked because you, you, you hadn't spent a lot of time with them. But after you've been married for some length of time, whether it be 10 or 15 or, or 20 years, you, you, can, you can order for your spouse while they're gone. You, you can pick up their clothes. Some of, some of you men may haven't shopped for yourself in a long time. Because your wife knows what you like. Your wife knows your color. Your wife knows everything about you and vice versa. Because you're in a relationship and because you know their heart and their mind, 
You know so much about them. That's, that's what the Bible's talking about when it was David was a man after God's own heart. He knew what God liked. He knew what God desired. And he desired in himself to be pleasing unto the Lord. He wanted to please God in his life. And it was this mindset. It was this thought that we approach our text tonight with the mind of David because he was trying to get God back where God belonged. And you know the story quite well where the ark of God was set upon a cart and they began to transport this cart and it began to get shaky and Uzzah reached out and he touched it and he was killed. And they left the ark at the house of Obed-Edom. They aborted the plan and said, we're just going to put it right here. And, and after three months, the word got back to David that the house of Obed-Edom was being blessed. And so David made up in his mind, we're going to bring the ark back to where it belongs. And the Bible says, we read it tonight, that they fetched the ark of God. And every six paces, they would stop and they would sacrifice and, and they would worship. And I, I know we've heard this preached and it makes for good preaching material that they took six steps and on the seventh they worshiped. I did a little digging on that. And really most historians believe that the journey had six resting points set up along the way and that at those six places they erected an altar and that's when they danced and they worshipped it and they spent time in the presence of God and it was on this journey that they got back to the city of David and David was dancing and worshipping and praising and magnifying the Lord and it was when all of this was going on that his wife looked out the window and watched she just observed. And she, the Bible says, when she watched him dancing and leaping and magnifying God, that she despised him in her heart. See, I, I come tonight with an observation. This is just what I have concluded upon my traveling, that I can divide a church into two categories. And I can be very accurate in these categories. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they come from. There are in two churches, in every church, two groups of people. There are worshipers and there are watchers. There are those who have come saying, you know what? I don't care what's going on around me. The only thing that matters is I've got to connect with God. I've got to worship Him. I've got to magnify Him. I will get more base. I will be humble. I will worship. I will magnify the Lord. And then there are the others who have dipped their finger in the sweet honey of God's holiness. They have tasted of the grapes of grace, yet they are satisfied in their soul, just watching, just observing. You see, it's not a head issue. It's not an ability issue. It's not a mind issue. The difference between a worshiper and a watcher is a heart issue. 
despised him in her heart. It was not that she did not have the ability to be a worshiper. It was not that she did not comprehend what was actually happening at that very moment. But it was here in this text that we can see laid out before us two types of people, worshipers and watchers. The worshiper says, what can I give? And the watcher says, what can I get? You see, it's a heart. I'm not coming with being derogatory or throwing stones. I've come with a burden this evening trying to to convey what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I believe everybody can be a worshiper. Now, I said it when I started. I can't get you to all worship the same way. We have equated worshiping with demonstration and demonstrativism. And we think, unless I'm standing on my head and I'm doing jumping jacks and I'm going crazy, that I'm not worshiping. Hey, I love that worship. I love when we get lost in it. I love when everybody leaves going, my God, we, I don't have a voice left. I love that. But if we equate demonstrative physical exercise as being worship, then we have limited those with any type of physical handicap. We have limited those who are elderly and cannot move like they once did. And we have drawn a line and saying, unless you can do all of this, you're not a worshiper. That is a wrong mindset. Worshiping is connecting with God however you can connect with God. Worship It's not as much physical as it is spiritual. It's a heart thing. David had the heartbeat of God. It was expressed in this text through demonstrative worship. And that is pleasing to God. But if I can't do that, I can do something. I believe everybody can do something. You say, preacher, all I can do is sit here and clap my hand. Honey, you clap with everything you have in your heart. All I can do is focus my mind on God and just barely get my voice. You do it with everything because it's a heart. I want a heart of worship. see there was more going on than what meets the eye it was more than just moving a piece of furniture it was more than just a box David was putting God back where he was supposed to be he was putting God in his place he was putting that that ark back where it belonged you see where God is where he is supposed to be the natural byproduct is worship When God is where he's supposed to be in your life, there will be something in your heart that says all I can do is say holy, holy. All I can do is worship. You see, there was a day when our world revolved around our church and our God. I'm not an old man, but I remember many times I would ask my mom if I could do something, and she'd say, no, we, we got prayer meeting, or, or no, we got, we got this, and, and we got that. And, and, and she 
put in my spirit, in my heart, that God was the center of everything that we did. And there's a shift that concerns me. Now it's like God is revolving around our world. And now we try to fit God in if we have if we have opportunity. And I, if I don't have this going on and, and that going on, honey, when you put God back where he's supposed to be, you will be a worshiper. It's a heart issue. It's where's my heart. Set your set not your affections on things below, but on things above. God has to be the center of everything. We see though, we see Michael had grown comfortable in the king's palace without the true king's presence. And we have people who have become comfortable in the king's palace. We have become comfortable in our religion. We have become comfortable in going to church and doing what we do. And I'm thankful for it. The Bible says uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We need to be in church. But let us not get so comfortable in the king's palace that we forget about the king's presence. Because what makes it the king's palace is the presence of the king. That's what this is all about. It's about worshiping him. It's about magnifying him. It's not about singing a song. It's about worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, how could I not open my heart and worship? When I look back over my life and think about everything that God has done for me, every sickness he's healed, every disease that he's put away, every chain that he, how could I not have a heart of worship? How could I come to church and not show my appreciation in worship and in praise and in magnifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords? You see, there are times that God has to give us a reminder that the world may be in trouble. Everything around you may be going crazy, but I'm still king. The Bible says in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now, I, in, in most commentaries, most historians that I've read on this particular verse said that they do not believe that this is the actual year that King Uzziah died a physical death. But if you read the life of King Uzziah, he reached out and grabbed the incense, and he was struck with leprosy. And because he was now unclean, they excommunicated him from the, the place. He was a leper. He had to be put aside. And so they believe that this is referring to the, the moment that he was put out. And their government was in trouble now. And, and everything around them was in turmoil. And it was with that happening that the Lord showed Isaiah, everything around you may be going crazy. But I want to remind you who the king still is. I want to remind you that I'm still God and I have not changed and if you can get your eyes off of everything around you and put your eyes on me that's what has to happen you see the world looks at us and say you people are crazy how in the world 
Why in the world do you do what you do for this God? How in the world do you spend all of your time and all of your energy worshiping and praising? That's nonsense. I I want to tell you something, though. What some call waste, God calls worship. That woman came with that alabaster box. And God, God was, the Lord was right there. Jesus, she she broke this open. and, And all the church people, the disciples said, what's going on? Look at all this waste. She's wasting all of this. Jesus began to talk to them and explain to them what was really happening. You see, the difference between waste and worship is the heart. They were looking at it as waste, but God looked at it and said, this ain't waste, that's worship. It's a heart. God was looking at that girl's heart. God was seeing she may not be running. She may not be dancing. She may not be doing all this stuff that everybody else is doing. But she's got a heart of worship. She's got a heart that wants to worship God. That's what God is looking at tonight. Is is there anybody here that says, you know what? I got a heart of worship. I may not be running. I may not be dancing. But I believe if we can take a moment and lift our hands all over this building. I believe everybody here can connect with God. Why don't you open your mouth right now in your own way and I want you to begin to worship the Lord with me right now. Everybody can worship. Everybody can worship. Everybody can worship. I bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a heart issue. I want to have a heart of worship. David came to that city and his wife pulled him aside and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today. She began to mock him. She began to make fun of him and began to to say, you've exposed yourself. But you see, worshipers don't care. Worshipers don't care. And he looked at her and said, it was before the Lord. I'm not worshiping to please you. I'm not worshiping for your approval. I don't care if you like how I worship. If you understand how I worship, I'm not doing this for the physical. But my worship is for something beyond. My worship is for the Lord. I'm here to please Him with my worship. I gotta ask you, ma'am or sir, do you think the Lord is pleased with your worship? Do you think God is looking at you saying they're giving me everything they God, do you think God is looking at you and saying, you know what? I know they're not running, but I see that they're giving everything. we got to ask ourselves, am I really having a heart of worship? Am I really doing everything I can to connect with God in my worship? It's a heart issue. You see, you're not wasting your time when you're worshiping God. In fact, I will go on and say this. If you read the book of Revelation, Only worshipers live forever. Because everywhere I look in heaven, there's worship. Everywhere I look around the throne, there's worship. So if you can't be a worshiper here, honey, you can't be a worshiper there. Because only worshipers are going to get to go. Only 
those who have a heart after God uh, that want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. I don't want to look with a critical eye. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. Spiritual liberty is being held captive by public opinion. You consider the services that used to happen. And I'm not one of those that gets stuck in yesteryear. But you consider the services that I remember growing up in my life. And I know that you remember there was such a liberty in our worship. I mean, it was just everybody was on board. Everybody was worshiping. It was like just a wave and a movement. And now I've been in services where I thought, my goodness, if a bomb went off, some of these people wouldn't move. And I'm sitting here going, does anybody have the Holy Ghost in here? And I'm not saying this with a bad heart, but if I've got the Spirit of God, honey, i got to be a worshiper. There has to be something inside of me that wants to reach out and worship God. See, worshipers reproduce. Watchers are barren. Michael, the Bible said, that critical spirit, the watcher, the Bible said, had no children until the day of her death. Barren. Because God cannot afford to have that critical, cynical, watching spirit reproduce itself in the body, lest it hinder the heartbeat of those who desire to be worshipers. So God said, I have to, I, she has to be barren. I cannot allow her to birth anything else into the kingdom that will have a critical, cynical spirit. My friend, I have watched churches time and time again, and it's the worshipers that are reproducing themselves in the church. And everybody else that is critical and cynical and just want to sit by, those are the ones that aren't reproducing in the body of Christ. Because God cannot afford to have that spirit reproduce itself in somebody else. See, worshipers are contagious. Worshipers. You get just a few worshipers going. It'll start spreading amongst the people. God, think about it with me. God left it in our possession. I can worship as much as I want. Or I can do as little as I want. I can pray as much as I want. I can fast until my belly button falls off. I can do that. It'd take a long time, but I can do it. God says it's, it's up to you. You do as much as you want. And as you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. In the book of Esther, chapter number 1, we find there a setting where the king was going to have a party. The king said, I want you to invite all of the nobles and all of the elite. You invite everybody who is in the, the, this certain social status. And for 180 days, they had a party. Bible said that royal wine was flowing. And for 180 days, they could drink as much as they want. They could do whatever they wanted to do. There was no limits. At the end of 180 days... 
in Esther chapter 1 and verse number 7, the Bible says that they, he, the king opened the party to anybody that wanted to come. And it didn't matter who the mama was, didn't matter what part of town they was from. He opened up for seven days. We're going to have a party. And everybody is invited. And the Bible says that here's what the king instructed them to do. The Bible says in verse number 7, And they gave them drink and vessels of gold, the vessels being diverse one from another, and royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel. For so the king had appointed to all the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. So here is seven days where anybody, whosoever will, has an opportunity to come and drink at the king's palace. And they were instructed, don't compel them. Don't make them drink. But you serve them according to their pleasure. If they want to drink pitcher after pitcher after pitcher, you just keep it flowing because it's according to their pleasure. If they only want just a little shot glass, then you just give them that one little glass because it's according to their pleasure. Don't force them to drink. You just give them as much as they want. My friend, there was a time when the party was only open to the Jews, where it was only open to the elite. But then there came a time in Acts chapter 10 where God said, you know what? I'm going to open up this party to whosoever will. It's not just going to be for the Jews. It's not just going to be for the elite. But it's going to be for anybody and everybody that can make it to the king's palace. And, and, and here is the stipulation. You give them whatever they desire according to their pleasure. They can come and they can get a little bit of Holy Ghost. Or they can come and they can get as much Holy Ghost as they want. They can come and worship me just a little bit. Or they can come and get lost in worship. But it's according to their pleasure. It's according to their desire. My friend, tonight, I don't want to come and just get a little bit. But I want to come and say, God, here's my cup. I want as much of you as I can have. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. What's your pleasure, ma'am? Do you want everything that God has? Or are you satisfied with just a little bit? I wonder if we could stand all over this building and lift our hands to heaven and begin to worship Him. I want to have a heart of worship. Why would I settle for watching when I could be a worshiper? When I could be a worshiper? When I could be a worshiper.